Welcome to this podcast of the Sunday Message from Hope Gateway in Portland, Maine. We'd love to have you join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., currently on Zoom and broadcast live on Facebook. Visit our website at hopegateway.com to learn more. Whether you live near or far, we hope you find this message to be meaningful. Wherever you are, join us in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. spending this Easter season, sometimes known as Easter Tide, this time between Easter and Pentecost, looking at stories of resurrection in the Bible and hearing how resurrection is embodied in our own lives. And I'm grateful to Dodie and Linda and Diane who have brought us their wisdom during this season. When I picked out the scriptures to the series, I chose basically all of the stories of resurrection that are not in the Sunday morning stories of resurrection, the Easter morning. And Ophelia and I let our volunteer preachers choose the scripture they like, and I got what was left over. (laughs) So here are the table scraps. Actually, this is one of the scriptures with the strangest backgrounds because some versions of the New Testament include it and others do not. Scholars pretty much agree that the original Gospel of Mark ended before this passage with the line, overcome with terror and dread, they fled the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Which is quite a cliffhanger and a mind bender Because if they really said nothing to anyone, how is this story being told by a third party? So, there are two different endings added later that show up in various early copies of the Gospel of Mark. And I'm going to share the second ending, which retells many of the other stories that we've already heard from the other Gospels in this series. But these stories weren't included in the original telling of Mark's story. And today, I'm reading from a new translation called the First Nations Version, an indigenous translation of the New Testament. And Jesus, in this translation, is referred to by the name Creator Sets Free. Creator Sets Free. And Mary Magdala is known as Strong Tears. But I've simplified this passage a bit for the ease of sharing it today. And as I read to you, I invite you to watch for signs of whose experiences are believed or not believed. From Mark chapter 16, beginning in verse 9. When Jesus returned to life on the first day of the week, he showed himself first to a woman, Mary of the village of Magdala, the one he had set free from seven evil spirits. She went to tell his followers who were still grieving and weeping and told them that what she had seen and heard. But when they heard that she had seen Jesus alive, they would not believe it. They would not believe it. 
On the same day, Jesus appeared to two of his followers as they were walking in the countryside, but in a different form. But when they returned and told the others, no one believed them. No one believed them. Later, at another time, he showed himself to the 11 message bearers while they were sitting around a table eating a meal. He scolded them for having their hard hearts and failure to believe the others who had seen him alive. Go to all the world, he instructed them, and tell the good story about me to all of creation. The ones who trust in me will participate in the purification ceremony, setting them free from their broken ways and initiating them into my sacred family. But the ones who will not walk this road with me will come to a bad end. Powerful signs will follow me. Here are some of the things that they will do in my name, representing who I am. They will force out evil spirits, pick up and throw out snakes, and even if they drink deadly poison, it will not harm them. They will speak in new languages and heal the sick by laying hands on them. Okay, the languages and the healing the sick thing. I get the other stuff. Not really sure about how that works, but let's move on. When he finished speaking to them, creator sets free, Jesus, our great chief and wisdom keeper, was taken up in the spirit world above to sit down at the right hand of the great spirit, the place of greatest honor, dignity, and power. His followers then went out from there far and wide, telling everyone the story of creator's good road. Our honored chief, through his spirit, continued to walk with them, showing his approval of the message by their powerful signs. The disciples don't believe the women who encountered Jesus outside the tomb. The disciples don't believe the other two disciples who encountered Jesus. And then Jesus appears to the larger group and scolds them for not believing the others. And then he instructs them to go and tell his story to others and ensures them that they will, that those they encounter will believe the stories in the exact ways that they did not. Believing and belief are really confusing concepts, especially in an era of autonomy of individual autonomy and incredulity. When those things are embraced fully and heartily in our society, while at the same time, a severe form of certainty and a lack of curiosity is also strongly at play. We have a hard time believing things we haven't already imagined. And it really gets in the way of actually learning that the world is bigger and more complex than we could ever imagine. There's actually a name for this. It's called the argument for incredulity, from incredulity. Wikipedia defines it as the argument from incredulity, also known as the argument from personal incredulity, appeal to common sense, or the divine fallacy, is a fallacy in informal 
logic. It asserts that a proposition must be false because it contradicts one's personal expectations or beliefs or is difficult to imagine. We can't imagine it, it can't be possible. Personal incredulity fallacy occurs when someone dismisses something that they personally don't understand or can't imagine how it would work. Just because a concept is difficult to understand doesn't make it impossible, right? The basic level of knowledge or understanding by any individual person or even a majority of people doesn't dictate what is false or true. To avoid this fallacy, when you're having a hard time understanding something, don't dismiss it. Stay curious. Like they should have done in the book, right? you don't understand why your best friend is suddenly really mad at you and saying bad things behind your back, stay curious. There's more to learn. The opposite of this fallacy might be trust but verify. As I've been thinking this week about belief, I've really been fascinated with the, this idea that someone can share an experience of God or life with you and you can believe them. And then that sharing can change your own understanding and beliefs. So maybe that doesn't quite make sense yet, but I'm gonna, we're getting there. Two authors whom I adore have each shared an experience about believing someone they loved even when they weren't sure to what extent they understood or believed the same thing. Glennon Doyle and her wife, Abby Wambach, and Cole Arthur Riley and her grandma. Amy Wambach was a public atheist before meeting her wife, Glennon Doyle. She had come to this belief after rejecting her Catholic upbringing, which forced her to choose between herself and her sexual identity, her essence identity, and her church. In a wonderful podcast last July called Queer Freedom, in an episode of the We Can Do Hard Things podcast, both Abby and Glennon share these reflections on their shared faith. Abby says, when I met you, I distinctly remember thinking, oh, you have a kind of faith that I could get on board with. And Glennon wrote, in her book about meeting her relationship with Abby. You think I'm wrong to believe there's a God, but it's what you love and need me for. You borrow my faith like we borrow our next door neighbor's Wi-Fi. In Cole Arthur Riley's book, This Here Flesh, she tells stories of her life, her father, and her grandma. She recalls an experience her grandmother shared with her that would make anyone a little incredulous. It was a story of having a dream or a vision about her grandfather telling her the stories she didn't ever hear because she was separated from her family at a young age. 
Cole uses the word believe and belief liberally throughout the book, but this line really caught me. I'm not one given to belief, but I believe in her. It seems it is the one delicacy my mind will allow for itself. Cole Arthur Riley is one, is a deep theologian and a person deeply committed to the way of Jesus. And she says, I am not one given to belief, but I believe in her. This idea that I don't easily believe, but I trust. I believe in her is a powerful idea. It really resonates with the scripture for me where again and again the disciples don't trust others' experiences and in some ways demand their own experience rather than trusting someone else's. As Diane said last week, Thomas gets the blame for this, but he's not the only one demanding his own experience. All of the disciples do in the stories of resurrection. What a radical shift it would be if it was just normal to believe women. Hope Gateway has never been a creedal church, never required people to a certain set of things or affirm a historical or even modern creed. We don't say that you have to pray a certain prayer to be a real Christian. Many people who have been a part of us for the last 15 years struggle to identify as Christian, but typically they're really down with Jesus. And in our new form as a freestanding faith community, we're able to proclaim an even more open theology. We don't have a doctrine that we are or are not following. We don't have anyone above us telling us what we should or shouldn't be saying or doing. This openness creates the openness that this creates is that my faith can look really different than yours. There's a wider tent, a bigger tent, table, a more expansive view of what faith can be when we don't have to agree on it. But even as I say that, I believe that faith is something that we share. It's not something that I possess and then I hand off to you, but it's something that we partake in together. I can believe things for you that you want to believe but can't yet believe. You can believe things that I am learning and growing from regardless if I ever come to believe the way that you believe. This is about trust and mutuality not about making other people in the mold that we fashion for them. When Jesus talks about the ones who trust in me, I think he really means trust. 
the concept of belief as a checklist of things that I affirm is not really helpful in my experience. But this idea of trust, of honoring another's experience, of believing that we can learn and grow from someone else is transformational. You might even call it resurrection. May it be so. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. To hear more about Hope Gateway and to discover how together we can do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God, visit our website at hopegateway.com.